Almighty God, Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Would you please be seated? Years ago, my mother went to see her sister, and um, she, when she was scheduled to come home, I was going to be out of town. So the night before she came home, I went to the store, I got her some flowers, and I got a bunch of food to stock up her refrigerator so she would, wouldn't have to go out in the evening. As I was leaving her home that night, I decided that I would write her a note. I took the paper that was, had wrapped the flowers and I scribbled a welcome home note. I wrote, chicken salad and juice is in the fridge, potatoes for baking is on the counter, apple slices and yogurts in the fridge as well. Welcome home, Mama and Nana. We missed you. Well, three years later, three years after I scrawled that note, my precious mama died. And in the ensuing weeks and months, as children do who survived their parents, I was cleaning out her home, in particular her pantry, when I found this note. The flower paper with my handwritten note on it. It was taped up in her pantry in front of the canned tuna. She loved canned tuna. My mother had saved the note. And of course, I was emotional when I found it. I sat down with the note, realizing the importance of, of the note to my mother I felt my mother's love for us, but more importantly, I realized her deep desire for our love, our time with her, our care towards her. I woke up in that moment to what our presence meant to our mother, my mother. God holds a deep desire, a rich and steadfast love for his children. It's evident throughout the biblical narrative that his love for us induced him to prepare a way for us to be with him, for us to be his people. The Bible begins in a sanctuary, a garden with Adam and Eve walking in with God in the cool of the day, Genesis 3, and it ends in a sanctuary as the new Jerusalem descends, a sanctuary where the church dwells with the Lord as with her husband, Revelation 21. And in between the beginning and the end, we read in our canon the epic saga of God's work to restore relational harmony between his creation, his people, and himself. This morning... As we examine the text, I pray we will grasp our inherent propensity to quickly disregard God's deep love for us and his desire for us, while at the same time comprehend that love in a new way, a way that will help us to live more intentionally into the profound and utterly satisfying relationship with the God of our lives. And may we come to recognize 
the astounding preparatory details that God has not only thought about, but that he put into action to bring about the ultimate wedding feast. When his bride is joined with him in the great marriage banquet in the new creation. And so we come to the golden calf scene of of God's saga. We find the people of God at the base of Mount Sinai. They're antsy and they're fidgety. Moses has gone up the mountain and and they don't know what is happening and why it's taking him so long. They obviously are not thinking purely or well because they tell Aaron, hey, get up and make gods that will go before us. And in addition, they name Moses as the one who brought them out of Egypt. They make no mention of God being involved. They completely leave out the fact that maybe, well, maybe they don't leave it out. Maybe they just choose not to remember that just a few short days before this scene, And literally three months after they have been brought out of Egypt with plagues and miracles and brought into the into the wilderness they've been fed and they've been watered by the hand of God and they've been brought to the to the mountain of God where they received the the words a message from God through Moses that goes like this you've seen what I did to the Egyptians And how I bore you on eagle's wings and how I brought you to myself. Now if you'll only obey my voice and keep my covenant, you'll be my treasured possession out of all the peoples. The people responded to this. They heard the voice of God. They responded and they answered in Exodus, everything that the Lord has said we will do. They prepared themselves to meet God. They they were consecrated, set apart for God's purposes. They, the limits were set around the mountain so that the holiness of God wouldn't kill them. The smoke came down because the Lord descended. And in Exodus 20, the Lord actually speaks directly to them. First time, not through Moses, but directly to them. And he says this, I am the Lord your God who brought you up out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make any idol for yourself. And then he continues on for the Ten Commandments. Now clearly, clearly would you say, they knew it was God who delivered them. And that he was a God who had showed his desire for their good. A God who obviously wanted to be in relationship with them they would be his people he would be their God for the good of the nations but you know the note that the Israelites scrawled down at the golden calf scene was not a welcome home note it was a note that repudiated God as their redeeming God their God in the past yes but also their God in the future in 32 1 we read up Make us gods that'll go before us. And Aaron, he eagerly responds. He instructs them, oh, take off your gold rings. Give me all your gold. He takes it. He makes this golden cow. And he says to them, proclaims, they are the gods who will deliver you into the promised land, right? These gods are going to go before you, protect you, provide food and water for you. 
Well, this idol image fashion, this, that image that only required gold and being bowed down to would be for them their gods. And so that wasn't enough of a slap in the face to God, right? Aaron proclaims a feast, a feast to the Lord. And they offered burnt offerings and peace offerings. And they sat down to eat and drink and they rose to play. Now this is important to note. It's deeply significant. The only place in Exodus where burnt offerings and peace offerings are offered is in the covenant ratification ceremony. The ceremony that they had participated in just a few days before where Israel was consecrated as a holy people to the Lord. Set aside for his purposes by proclaiming this feast, offering burnt offerings and peace offerings to the golden calf idol, Israel perverted the pure worship of the Lord and thereby repudiated her own calling. By this idol worship, the people reverted themselves from holy to common. In essence, they not only didn't sanction the holiness of God, they refused to endorse their own holiness as it came from their relationship with the true and living God. Now, it would be easy for us to ask, what in the world were these people thinking? How in the world could they do that? Well, God provides for us a tangible narrative, right? That gives us a picture of where we're living today in the narrative. We have a vantage point of reading about their lives with God. So we do get to learn from them. But you know, that doesn't mean we get it right. It doesn't mean we get it right. Now, I can only speak for myself. I'm not going to speak for any of you. But I wake up in every day, and at least one time in the day, most times more than one time in the day, I find myself throwing earrings at Aaron, <laughs> bowing at the cow, and calling for a feast day. I do. It's, it's so much easier to worship the works of my own hands, to bow down to the calf of my own making than to wait for God's direction. Or even better, to put my hand to the work that God has already called me to do. We want holiness on our own terms, and it can never be on our own terms. Holiness is linked with the life of the living God, and through his preparation and his planning, we are made, we are being made, and we will be made holy. The wedding cannot happen because we get it right. It will happen because of God's deep love for his people and his faithfulness to his word. This brings us to one more detail that we need to consider. Uh, a detail in the, in the exchange between Moses and God in verse 7 through 13. 
The Lord calls the people, your people, Moses, when he sees they've corrupted themselves. It reminds me of my husband and I. They're your kids when they're, no. When he sees they've corrupted himself. And he tells Moses, I'm going to consume them so I can just start over with you. Well, this beautiful display of emotion shows us that God is, he feels. God is not emotionless. He's not creating drama here. God feels betrayed and he shows that to Moses. The interchange between Moses and God proves uh, to, to us that the importance of having people in our lives that will speak to us, speak the truth, even if it hurts, right? The interchange between Moses and God. Um, oh, Moses rephrases in this interchange, rephrases the statement of God. He says in verse 11, Oh Lord, why does your wrath burn hot against your people whom you brought out of the land of Egypt and with great powers and with a mighty hand. Moses reminds God, you have publicly bound yourself, God, to, these, to this Israel, these people, by delivering them out of the land of Egypt. Your reputation's online here. Your reputation's online. Moses reminds God of his word to Abraham, Isaac, and Israel. He said, remember you told them you will multiply their offspring and you'll give them land that they will inherit forever. And the Lord relents. The Lord changes his mind. Because of the commitment of the Lord to be known throughout the earth through his people drives how the Lord responds to Israel after her adultery. Israel never knew the Lord as anyone other than the Lord who brought them out of Egypt. They knew God as their redeemer. And it is as redeemer that God wanted them to show him to the rest of the nations. It is as redeemer that God wants us to show him to the rest of the nations, to our neighbors. God desires our hearts to love him, to care for him, and to want to be with him, spend time with him. He holds our notes scrawled on flower paper. He wants to live in communion with us, to bring our whole selves, our talents, our time, our treasure, our hearts, he wants all of us, all of us, so that he can transform us. He can turn us inside out, living for others, not just for ourselves. Made for, by his presence, for his purpose, for reaching others. God wrote us a note. He scrawled a note to us. In that cross, he wrote, I forgive you. I forgive you. You are welcome in my house. And he wrote at the, the table. He said, there's food in the fridge. I forgive you. You're welcome in my home. And there's food in the fridge. At the cross, his preparations are complete. 
through the life, death, resurrection, and ascension of Jesus Christ. And through him, and in him, and with him. We are able to sup at his table, to come together to receive strength and renewal and solace and pardon. Because he knew we'd need pardon. Because we forget. Through him, we stand firm. We help each other in the work of the gospel, just as Paul asked the Philippians to help the women. We have the opportunities here, church. We have the opportunities available to put our hands to work, the work of the gospel. I Dignity, Jobs Partnership, Christian Service Center, Salvation Army, Matthew's Hope. Our own kitchen team needs help. Our welcome team, our hospitality team, our pastoral care team. There's so many laboring. So many laboring in the field of harvest. It really is an exciting time. Join a team. And if there's not a team, make a team. Be the leader of the team. How do we live more intentionally into the profound and utterly satisfying relationship with the God of our lives? When our values are clear, Our choices are clear. Let me close with our general thanksgiving prayer. Would you pray with me? Almighty God, Father of all mercies, we give you humble thanks for all your goodness and loving kindness to us and to all whom you have made. We bless you for our creation, our preservation, and all the blessings of this life but above all for your immeasurable love and the redemption of the world by our Lord Jesus Christ. For the means of grace and for the hope of glory, and we pray, give us such an awareness of your mercies that with a thankful heart, we may show forth your praise, not only with our lips, but in our lives, by giving up ourselves to your service and by walking before you in holiness and righteousness all our days. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, to whom with you and the Holy Spirit be honor and glory forever. Amen.